Hollow Windows and Doors of Wisconsin's innovative hidden screen folds away when closed, keeping it clean while bringing in a ton more sun. Choose 0% financing for 72 months or a free upgrade to the hidden screen on our 250 series. Visit PellaWI.com today. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Here's the headline, CNN. Whispers of Hillary Clinton 2024 have started in the immediate aftermath of the Supreme Court's monumental decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. People are speculating that it's time for Hillary Clinton to make another political comeback. Um, Hillary Clinton would if she uh, if she were to run and if she were to win in 2024 she would be 77 years old and and I've said this re- repeatedly let's let's forget politics let's forget republican let's forget democrats can't we find somebody to run for president for these major parties who are I don't know, under 70? Is that absolutely impossible? But Hillary Clinton, well, um, those are the rumors. I just, I don't see it. Just flat out do not see it. But, you know, what the heck? I guess lots of surprising things have happened in politics. All right, a lot of ground to cover on today's show. Let's get started. Uh, If you are a regular listener to this program, you know, I I talk a lot about the state's antiquated minimum markup law. This is a law that dates back to the Depression, which requires retailers to mark up products and the cost of products in the um, in the world of gasoline. The markup is about nine percent. And so if you have a gas station that wants to. I don't know, sell gas at, 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 at their cost, for example, because they're going to use it as a loss leader because they, they make a lot more money on selling milk and selling cigarettes and selling candy bars and things like that. So if you have a gas station that decides, hey, I want to sell gas at cost just to get people in because I, I believe a lot of people are going to come in and they're going to buy milk and they're going to buy this other stuff, the law says you cannot do it. The reason, which I think is incredibly flawed, again, goes back to the Depression when there wasn't the degree of competition that we have now. And the fear was, okay, if you let one place sell at or below cost as a loss leader, what that's going to do is it's going to drive every other gas station out of business. And then what's going to happen is that place, that one survivor will then jack up the rates again. Most states that have do not have minimum markup laws, which is the majority of states, that, that hasn't been the case. And if it was ever true, if it was true in 1939, and I doubt it, it's certainly not true in 2021. But this is this protectionist measure that's put in place because some retailers just don't want to have to compete on the basis of price. And the losers are the consumers. Well, anyhow, here's the story is reported on, on Channel 12, and they have been following this. There's a, a Woodman's Market. You know, Woodman's is the, the grocery store um, that also they sell gas, like Target sells gas and some other places sell gas as well. Costco, we'll get to that in just a minute. Okay, so Woodman's has been sued by a number of their competitors who say that Woodman's was charging too little for gas. For example, on Monday, 
Woodman's was charging $4.59 a gallon, and that was that's about 25 cents cheaper than the average price of gasoline in, in the metro. Now, this lawsuit doesn't really deal with gas yesterday, but it deals with gas over the course of the last couple of years. And the lawsuit says, hey, there were all these occasions where Woodman's um, charged less than they were supposed to under the law. Woodman's, for its part, comes in and says, wait a minute, that that's we didn't violate the law because the minimum markup law allows us to price our gasoline competitively with the lowest gas price in, in the area. And they say, hey, there's a Costco that's about six miles down the road, and our prices we price off of that Costco. So if Costco charges whatever, Costco's going to charge $4.59 a gallon. Well, th- we're competing with Costco, so we have lowered our prices to match them. Now, some of these smaller stations say, well, we, we just can't compete because we, we can't sell gas 20 or 25 cents lower than we're, we're already charging because we don't have that much of a markup to begin with. Woodman says, hey, it's, it's not our problem. We're, <clears throat> we're entitled to match. And if Costco drops its price, we're, we're entitled to match Costco. Now, over the last several years, Costco has been the subject of all sorts of litigation. Lots of different gas stations in the area have complained about Costco and Costco charging, you know, what Costco charges. Now, in order to buy gas at Costco, you have to, you know, have the Costco credit card. You have to be a, a member of Costco, so you have to pay what is it, 75 bucks a year or something like that. But once you pay that $75 a year, you get the right to to do it. Woodman's, you don't have to be a member, but Woodman says, hey, that doesn't make any difference. The law doesn't say whether you're a member or not. If Costco drops the prices, we're entitled to drop our prices. This lawsuit has no merit. And it's it's pending in Waukesha County Circuit Court. No resolution is going to be forthcoming anytime soon. But here's what I think is interesting about this, and it's what I want to start the conversation off with today. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Who do you hope wins? Who do you hope wins? Woodman's, in this case, selling gasoline. Let's, let's say, let's take the numbers just from yesterday. Woodman's selling gasoline for about 25 cents a gallon, less than other places, less than people within the next couple blocks. At the same time, Woodman says, hey, Costco's a few miles away, and we're matching their prices. And, and yeah, you can buy gas from us, and you can save, well, in this case, you can save, you know, um, you know, 25 cents a gallon, so you do the math. You can save 250 3 bucks, maybe a little bit more when you fill up. It's not always going to be that way, but this is the idea. 855-616-1620. I'm just curious. Who do you hope wins? Do you think Woodman's and Costco should be allowed to price gas at whatever level that, that they want? And once one place prices it, then other places can match to compete. So that, that's the way the, the law works. So the beneficiary of this, at least right now, is the consumer, right? So who do you hope wins? Do you side with Woodman's? Do you side with Costco? Or do you side with some of the local retailers who are saying, well, you know, we're, we can't, we're, we have to charge more 
because we can't match. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As a free market guy, I, I just don't think the government has any business telling a business, no pun intended, you know, what they can charge for their particular products. And in this particular case, you know, okay, so so Woodman's is charging a quarter less per gallon for gas than some of its rivals and competitors. All right, who who is the loser in that? I mean, who who is the loser in that? The consumer's benefit, one of our texters says, who do I hope wins the gas war debate? I want the consumer to win. Yeah, that that's the consumer that, that's there. And, and by the way, for people who think it's all about price, well, all right, quick trip, and a number of you are pointing this out to me, there, there's quick trips all over the area. Their, their prices are, are all over the map, but quick trip is never going to be the lowest price. Quick trip is not going to price and I'm well. I guess I'm willing to be corrected, but as a general rule, Quick Trip is not going to is not going to price based on like a Woodman's or a um, Costco. But at the same time, Quick Trip stations are packed. Why? Because okay, Quick Trip offers other things and other reasons why people want to go to the store. So you got people that might be willing to pay another ten or fifteen cents more a gallon or whatever it is to go in and fill up at Quick Trip. Why? Because they like all the stuff that this got at Quick Trip. They're they're, they're going to go in. They like the sandwiches. They like the coffee. They like the donuts. Quick Trip has just found a different way to compete beyond simply price, just like the mom-and-pop restaurants you know, had to figure out a different way to survive after McDonald's and Burger King and all those came around. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Cliff. Cliff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. So here's my thing. I I think Woodman's is going to win anyway, and I kind of want them to. But there are several uh, gas stations in Wisconsin already who are selling it at the same price as Woodman's is. Right. So so they've lowered it because they want to compete. Yeah. Yeah. And and I guess I I didn't know what Woodman's was was selling it for because my wife and I just got back from Wisconsin. I'm originally from Wisconsin. Right. On the way back, there were several gas stations that were selling it for four fifty nine. So yeah. So there, I mean, to me it's a mood point. Yeah, right. Well, thanks. Right, exactly. Because it's one of those deals where you you can you can always match what the lowest price person is. Actually, about this lawsuit, it seems to me <clears throat> if they've got a beef, they're really the beef is really against the Costco because Woodman's. At least that's what they say. They just match the Costco price. Now, some of the retailers might argue that Costco, if you're only six miles away, if you're six miles away, you're not really a competitor. I think that's a tough argument to make. Um, I have a text here, and Cliff, our caller, was from Illinois as well. Um, Minimum markup laws don't apply in Illinois, right? They they, they don't. And yet you, you still have... Plenty of gas stations that, that are operating. I'm in Illinois. Gas prices in our town range between 569 and 589. Woodman's is selling at 506. And, and that's, that's just a classic example of this real world thing that's there. In states that don't have the minimum markup law, it's not like gas stations have gone out of business because your Costco or your Woodman's and I, I don't, I, I don't know about Sam's Club. I don't know if Sam's Club has gas, but but some of the, these places that offer the discount gas, it's not like they have driven other gas stations out of the market. Now, I do acknowledge that it pre- presents a, a tough choice for some of these gas stations, maybe, because they have to decide, 
okay, you know, how low can we go in order to match the prices, and and how do we end up making that up? But but maybe the answer is you know the the quick trip, Jeff. The quick trip across from the Costco on Moreland Road matches the price. Um, yeah, quick trip in Janesville is comparative to Woodman. So I mean, I think they're competing in that particular area. Jeff, I'm um, at that corner now. I had some shopping to do, but here you go. Woodman's um, 458, Shell Station across the street, 475. The BP that I passed on the way here is 469. Well, again, it, right, it, it's all over the map, but my big point is who who loses by low gas prices? What What is the downside of allowing businesses to compete? And I understand, again, that the theory is that if you allow a Woodman's or a Costco or a what whatever to sell gas, e- even at, at cost, that will drive some places out of business. But my argument is, that okay, that, that's all well and good. That's just the nature. If that's what happens, that's what happens. And then if... Costco, and this it hasn't happened in the course of the last hundred years, but if Costco or if um, Woodman's decides, okay, now we've driven some of these smaller gas stations out of business, now we're going to jack up our prices, you know what's going to happen? Well, then there's going to be another gas station that moves into the market, and they're going to start charging less than the Costco's or the Woodman's. That's what happens with the free market. Um, Jeff, I'm a free market guy. I believe in competition. If I happen to be passing a place where I can get gas for 25 less per, per gallon, I will do it if I need gas. But I will still use my local gas station where I appreciate the people and the services they offer, even if it's a little bit more expensive. But I like the options. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, I think, how most people operate with regard from this. Um, it's just people are going to make those decisions. Jeff, let's go to Woodman's. Headed to Appleton now. Um, has a Woodman's and a Costco. I'll be happy to fill up there. Sorry the other gas stations can't ma- match the price, but this is the free market at work. If Uncle Sam can't figure out a ha- way to make gas cheaper, I'm happy to support companies that will and are open to the public. Yeah, that's the, um, the the strong thing about Woodman's. Like I say, at Costco, you have to be a member of the Costco club for, I think it's 75 bucks a year. You know, Woodman's Woodman's is open, but I guess here's how I look at this lawsuit going back. As long as there's somebody else in the market that's decided that this is what they're going to charge gas for, well, then all you have to do is match them, and it seems to me there, there's there's nothing that the government can do to stop you. Bigger point is, who who... Who thinks that the government should be moving in and really stopping these businesses from giving the consumers a break? It's why this law should go away uh, because you know, we see this happen. We're talking about gasoline prices now, but you see it happen around Thanksgiving. And I've used this example before. Like I say, in Illinois, there's no minimum markup law. So around Thanksgiving, when you have some of the national stores, like a, like a Target, you know, the Target food centers, when they put the flyers in the newspapers, you know, advertising prices, it, it has to be the national 
the national flyers they use have to be different in Wisconsin because one of the things, for example, that the Target does for the grocery things is they'll they'll sell stuff around Thanksgiving for they'll sell it for cost. They'll sell turkey for their cost. They'll sell cranberries for their cost. They'll sell other things for cost because they're trying to get you in the store because they figure, okay, you come in the store to buy the turkey and then you're going to buy all sorts of other stuff. Now, I understand some people go around to eight different markets, but a lot of people, okay, I'm here, I'm at, I'm at Target, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy my turkey here, and I'm going to buy all the other stuff here. They can't use the same flyers in Wisconsin, for example, that they use nationally or in, in Illinois because that runs afoul of the minimum markup law. How does that benefit anybody? And it especially doesn't benefit the consumers. In this particular case, well, Woodman so far has not been stopped. They have not been fined. And I hope they win this lawsuit. Jeff, in Appleton, the quick trip near Woodman's and Costco match prices. It is the free market at work. Jeff, why, oh, why won't any politician run on this? And I don't just mean for gas prices. Well, because... There are some very powerful lobbyists who are very, very invested in trying to defeat the free market, and they think it's going to be easier for some of their clients. And so far, politicians, both Republicans and Democrats, are afraid to tackle them. Here's a text that says, Jeff, support local. Who cares about the price? It's all high. Well, I'm all in favor of supporting local businesses, but who cares about the price? Easy to say. I mean, if you can save three bucks every time you fill up, well, all right, that's three bucks. The Milwaukee police publicly keep track of some of the the big worst crimes that are out there. And it's actually, it's a website that I appreciate. I I cite it a a lot. Um, For example, homicides. Uh, year to date, 108 homicides in the city of Milwaukee. Last year, which was an all-time record year for homicides with 193, it was 79. So there, that, it's almost unthinkable. There have been almost 30 more homicides this year than there were same time last year. And last year was an all-time record. Um, the number of non-fatal shootings almost identical, 404 to 401. So, and that that 404. The numbers last year, again, non-fatal shootings, an all-time record as well. So the gun violence continues. Carjacking up uh, at the same time last year, 162. This year, 185. So, again, it's it's up a bit over, you know, where we were last year. Motor vehicle theft down slightly, but still, okay, uh, last year, this time, there were 4,700. This year, there's... About 4,200. Two years ago, there were 1,600. So, I mean, it, it's just it's staggering the number of cars that get stolen on a, a regular basis. But these are, you know, this is what the Milwaukee Police Department keeps track of. And, you know, you can see that just crime completely and totally out of control. They don't, at least publicly, you know, and I understand there's only so many different things that you can have on, on this sheet, but they, they don't keep track of, at least publicly, some of what I'm going to call the, the smaller crimes. The, the car break-ins, for example. I was talking to somebody just the other day who said that uh, 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, 
um, the parking garage downtown Milwaukee where they park their cars. They had 10 vehicles that were, were vandalized. 10 o'clock in the morning, somebody with either a baseball bat or a crowbar or whatever, 10 o'clock in the morning went and was just busting out windows. And we've talked about those stories before, but you, you don't hear about how often that goes on. Every once in a while, the TV stations will pick up a story about, hey, we just had 15 cars vandalized in a surface parking lot outside you know, somebody's apartment building or we, we had the story, gosh, the other day about how you had vandals that were, you know, going through the, a neighborhood just uh, south of Mayfair Shopping Center, and they were, you know, trying to pull open doors and check to see if stuff was locked. We, we don't hear about that, and unfortunately, it goes on on just a regular basis, and you never hear about people being prosecuted, and you never hear about people otherwise being held accountable, which brings me to... This story, and if you follow me on Twitter, I sent out a note on this. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. Okay, today's TMJ four had had this story, and I want to share it with you. The headline is: MPD receives donation to help victims of car thefts and break-ins with a $50 gift card for repairs. A business owner announced a $5,000 donation to the Milwaukee Police Department to help victims of stolen cars and car break-ins. Safe Auto Group is partnering with the City of Milwaukee and police to break down the donation to $50 gift cards to use towards repair. Officers will hand out the Safe Auto Group Safe Auto Glass gift cards while on the job and at their discretion. The amount of an individual gift card might not sound like much when a broken window may cost anywhere from between $200 to $500 to fix, probably closer to $500. But the business owner and the police chief stress they are doing what they can, and every effort helps. The owner of the business and the police chief stress that they are doing what they can, and everybody helps. Um, and, you know, the, the the owner talks about, hey, we're, we're trying to, to help. You know, people who've been victimized. The police chief, Jeff Norman, says we should always be appreciative when individuals like the owner step up and say, hey, we understand the pain. We see the pain. And here we can uh, do something to adjust some of that pain. And then the police chief says he hopes the gesture will encourage other businesses to help in their way to assist in addressing public safety. So in other words, you call the police, you come out and your car is gone. Your, Your car has been stolen. Or alternatively, you come out and your car has been vandalized. You know, the window or windshield has been caved in, the windows have been busted in, whatever. And I don't know, maybe your car has been ransacked, whatever. But you've been victimized. There's glass all over. And, you know, they're going to have gift cards to to give away, which are like 50 bucks in, in a gift card. All right, let me be real clear with what I'm saying here. I, I First of all, I applaud the local business for doing that. I, I think that, that that's great. That, that's great. But I'm trying to imagine a person's reaction. You, you come out and your car is gone, or you come out and your car has been vandalized and there's glass all over, and the police officer comes out and says, well, okay, we'll, we'll take your report. We're probably never going to be able to find the people that did this, but, but here's a $50 gift card. Okay, my... And, I appreciate the sentiment. Here's what I said on Twitter, and it's what I'd like to discuss with you. A $50 gift card is a really nice gesture. But how about we concentrate on catching and imprisoning the people who are stealing and vandalizing cars in the first place? John Chisholm? John Chisholm? 
anybody, anybody. I, I mean, I, I look, I, I don't mean to belittle the, this initiative, and, it, and it's great. I understand, uh, you know, it. okay, you, your, your car is gone. Here's a $50 gift card. Your car is vandalized. Here's a $50 gift card. Okay, I, I get it. That That's fine. That's a wonderful thing. But... This is, this is, I, I won't even say it's like putting a Band-Aid on a gaping wound. I mean, how much more of this stuff are, are we going to tolerate? And and I would much rather, with all due respect to the gift card program, which is fine, how about we have the police chief and the district attorney and whoever, maybe the mayor, how about we have them come out and talk about how, you know, we we don't want to live in a community where you come out, you've been victimized, your car has been stolen, your car has been vandalized, and our response is, sorry, here's a $50 gift card. How about we come out and we say, look, we, we've had it with this stuff, and we are going to concentrate on catching the people who are doing it, and we don't care if they're adults or juveniles or gangbangers or straight-A students, but we're going to catch them. We're going to target them, and when we catch them, we are going to concentrate on imprisoning these people so they stop doing it. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This isn't a, this isn't a, no, every, you know, no good deed goes unpunished because offering the $50 gift card is in fact a good deed, and, and that's fine. I just think it's probably very little consolation when you come out, you find your car has been stolen, or you find your car has been vandalized. And rather than a $50 gift card, wouldn't most of us rather have a commitment saying, we're tired of this stuff going on, and what we're going to do is we're going to concentrate on catching the punks that are doing this, and yes, we're going to get a commitment from the DA's office that once we catch these punks, we're going to prosecute them, and if the courts won't put them in in jail after they've been prosecuted, well, then we're going to start naming names for the judges who won't. 855-616-1620. We discuss. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So if you're just tuning in, yesterday with much fanfare, the Milwaukee Police announced this program. Um, one of the local auto glass companies has stepped up and they've donated $5,000 and they're going to convert that five grand into $50 gift cards. So when you call in and report that your car has been stolen or your car has been vandalized and there's, uh, there's glass all over or whatever, um, it is in the discretion of the police officer to give you a $50 gift card. And I'm just, and I, I'm trying to, play out how I look I, I I get it I understand the sentiment but my, my point is you know instead of talking about this and here we're going to try to make you feel better after your car's been ripped off um sorry oh by the way we, we found it you know 24 blocks later and it's now totaled and you you know you're going to have to figure out how to get a new car rather than than talking about here we want to make you feel better here's a $50 gift card why aren't we talking about catching the punks that are doing this and imprisoning the punks that are doing this instead it's like okay well here's a 50 gift card in some respects it's almost like adding insult to injury and I don't mean to I guess I look I understand fifty dollars is fifty bucks but if you're if you're a victim of a crime I would much rather have the police chief and the mayor and the district attorney who's completely a wall on this I'd rather have them outlining what they are going to do to stop the car thefts and to prosecute the people who are busting into the cars and stealing them and what am I missing? Jim in Waukesha. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jim. I, what what needs to be done first is the legislature needs to pass 
stiffer laws. In other words, his 14-year-old sits in juvie till he's 18, and then he goes to prison for, say, five or ten years. Mm-hmm. Right now, and you brought this up on your show a couple of weeks ago, they they get caught, they spend three three weeks in juvie, and they're back on the street again. Yeah, worst-case scenario, they spend three all, weeks, yeah. Yeah. Second of all, Milwaukee for a long time hasn't been getting the revenue back that they send to Madison. They Madison needs to send Milwaukee the money they need, and if they can find 400 cops, 400 people that want to be officers, because that's what they're short, and they're short 50 detectives, it, and it has to be a maximum. In other words, the sentence, I forget what you call it, it has to be a max. In other words, the district attorney, assistant district attorneys, they can't bring the sentence down. It's 10, yeah. 20 years, whatever. Well, no, th- that, thanks for calling you. No, it's mandatory. It's yeah. got to be a class A felony. Right. No, thanks. For, right. Mandatory minimum penalties and, and charging. I mean, as we've talked about this before, you, when we, we did this a couple weeks ago when they had that story about the Kia boys, and these these guys were saying, hey, you know, we, we steal, sometimes we steal three, four, five cars a day. You drive it, you trash one, you, you wreck it, then you just go steal another one. It, it's just a giant game, and they, they know that there are no consequences for doing this so i again i i when you have this this press conference and we're posing for holy pictures and here we you know we, we've got a 50 dollars gift card i mean i'm just trying to imagine you you walk out your car is gone well we're really sorry your car is gone and you know we probably have no way of catching it the person that stole it has probably stolen another two dozen cars and will continue to steal cars but here's a 50 dollars gift card i mean i'm just trying to think of how the population feels maybe you would be better off taking that $5,000 and using it together with other things to help fund targeted sort of programs which are going to catch the people that are vandalizing the, the, the cars, catch the people that are going to help steal the cars. But I, I don't I don't mean this to be just a knock on the police department, because you're right, I, the Milwaukee Police Department is down cops. They need more cops. I think that they need to flood the streets with, um, especially in these high crime areas, with police officers, but it needs to go farther. I mean, if the district attorney's office is not going to charge the juveniles who are stealing cars repeatedly and they're not going to charge the kids that are vandalizing the the cars and and that happens on a regular basis as well you know what what's the point you talk to a lot of line police officers and they will tell you their great frustration is we catch the people you know we we arrest them and then nothing happens to them. And even if you can somehow get somebody in the district attorney's office to bring charges, once it gets into either juvenile court or it gets into like felony court, it's going to get kicked anyways. So there's no consequences for this stuff, you know, going on. And that's again, you know, what the the problem is. Jeff, based on the number of cars stolen, five thousand dollars will last less than a week. Um, you know, with the fifty dollar per incident not a very useful experiment and keep in mind it's going to less even less than that because it's not just for car theft it's also for for car vandalism in the discretion of the officers and 
And maybe maybe the idea is this is an officer-friendly sort of thing. And here, we're, we're really sorry that that car that you need to get to work and you need your car to shuttle your kids to school, we're really sorry that it's been trashed or it's stolen. We really have no good idea that we're ever going to get it back again. But here, have a $50 gift card. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like, okay, why don't my response would be the $50 gift card is really nice, but why don't we come out with some sort of plan? Why do we continue to tolerate this out-of-control crime in the first place? Um, Jeff, you can hire all the officers you want. It's not going to be able to stop these problems. Um, the kids have no structure or discipline in their lives. I, I Look, I, I understand that's this root cause type of thing, but I do know I'm I'm not smart enough to know how you fix all the social problems that causes the 15-year-old gangbanger to stick a gun in somebody's head and steal their car, or the 15-year-olds to go on a rampage with baseball bats, caving in people's car windows and vandalizing the cars for, for fun. I, I don't know how you solve that. What I do know is that when you catch the people who are doing it, you prosecute them and you put their sorry butts in some form of detention and you keep them off the streets for a while and you hope that they will either learn their lesson or at least when they're off the streets they're not breaking into other people's cars so all right there's five thousand dollars and fifty dollar gift cards that are out there that's not going to last very long but it's also as an experiment and a social experiment goes i think it's misplaced why don't we concentrate on not having as many victims in the first place so we don't have to make them feel better by giving them a $50 gift card? But that's just me. One of our texters has an interesting idea. So, Jeff, here's what I think we should do. I think we extend the Waukesha County line maybe about 15 to 20 miles east and then let all the juvenile criminals try doing what they're doing now for a month or two. When they ask the court commissioner, when can I go home, instead of being told, well, two or three hours, the court commissioner will say, 2027. Yeah, really, try to do that. And and see, that does raise one of the interesting points, that we... We collectively tolerate what we tolerate. Now, that's I understand that might not seem that profound, but you know we we don't have the out of control juvenile crime all over the state. Stuff like the things that we're talking about, the car thefts, the vandalism, it, it's not tolerated in Waukesha County. It's not tolerated in Washington County. It's not tolerated in Dodge County. It's not tolerated in Ozaki County. It's not tolerated in Sheboygan County. And, and because you have a court system that just will not accept it. They'll say, look, we're, and you have a population that won't accept it either. I mean, I guarantee you that if in Waukesha County you had the, the run of vandalism and car thefts, and I look, I understand people steal cars in Waukesha County. I get that. But you don't have the large numbers of it in part because they, they just don't tolerate it. The police don't tolerate it. The DA's office doesn't tolerate it. The courts don't tolerate it. And you see what happens when you have Again, the, whether it's the district attorney's office or the court system that just says, well, okay, we're, we're overwhelmed and they throw up their hands. You see what happens? It ends up being like Lord of the Flies. And don't, don't we expect more from our government? Shouldn't we expect more from the criminal justice system? And the answer, that was a rhetorical question, by the way. The answer is, of course we should. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Uh, the governor of the state, Tony Evers, and the attorney general of the state, Josh Call, are scheduled to have a press conference in about seven or eight minutes I, they're, I'm not sure exactly what they're say, going to say. If I had to guess, my guess would be they're going to announce some effort to go to court to try to block enforcement of the abortion ban contained in the 1849 law. We're, I, we're going to endeavor to carry just a couple minutes of it, and then we'll, we'll probably talk about that and a couple other things. There's a real, I almost never do this, but every once in a while there's columns that kind of catch my a- attention. And th- this morning, There's one in the Wall Street Journal written by a woman named Rebecca Sugar, and the headline is, My Mind Isn't Made Up About Abortion. I neither cried nor jumped for joy when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Abortion has never been among my top priority issues when voting, and I don't spend much time thinking about it. That may be hard to believe, but it's true for a lot of people. I agree, by the way. Now that the justices have said that it isn't their job, but ours, to decide how to regulate abortion, both pro-choice and pro-life activists are going to have to do better if they want the sympathy and votes of Americans like me. We can be persuaded with thoughtful, considered debate. We haven't gotten much of it. I bumped into a pro-choice activist at Union Station in Washington shortly after the leak of the draft decision in May. She held a big sign that read, I love my abortion. I winced reflexively, as I do whenever celebrities proudly boast of their empowering terminations. The inability to draw a line between the defense of a right to abortion and the celebration of its practice poisons the pro-choice message. Yeah, I think there's th- this element. It's just, it is kind of amazing to me how many people, whether you think it's it's a necessity or not, how many people seem to kind of glorify in, in the process. A word of advice to those who support abortion rights. Don't hire angry-looking women with fake blood on their pants to parade around screaming at the cameras. And don't let the politicians continue to spin what has just happened into a national abortion ban or a war on women, which it isn't. These tactics repel people rather than draw them in. We will never hear a word that you say. Then there are the pro-life activists, um, like such and so, who said in an interview Friday, the science is conclusive. Human life doesn't begin at birth. It begins before birth, at the moment of fertilization. A word of advice to those who are pro-life and want me to be as well. Don't confuse moral and ethical arguments with scientific ones. We know the difference. You are in a possession of both to some degree, and I would like to hear you on them. Both matter, and they inform each other, but they aren't the same thing. When you pretend that they are, your case weakens. As someone with no firm conviction on the question of abortion, I see the Supreme Court's decision as an opportunity. We will now have the chance to unmask the activists on both sides who have been screaming at us from behind the safety of the existence of Roe for decades. Neither side has ever had to make its case, only put on a show. Those days are over. We finally get to see if either side has an intellectually honest, thoughtful argument to offer, or if they are what so many other activist groups are, home base for those addicted to moral outrage and for the greedy opportunists making money and political careers off them. I thought, how how interesting is that? And 
it's, as I will expound on a little bit later in this hour, it's it's why, see, I've always believed, I, I understand there's people like Tony Evers who are counting on outrage over this decision to maybe, you know, help people turn out to help him get elected. I think that is a huge miscalculation. There's some new polls out that suggest that. But wouldn't it be nice to, again, have this sort of thoughtful conversation about is there a middle ground that we find? Why do we feel these different ways without having the the screaming from, well, how dare you restrict my right to have an elective abortion seven months in to the other side, which is somebody's the victim of, of rape or incest, and we say you can't have an abortion. There is a middle ground, and that middle ground is where I think the vast majority of Americans are. Welcome back. So the uh, Attorney General and the Governor say in an effort to salvage reproductive rights in the state, they're going to be filing a lawsuit seeking a declaratory ruling that the 1849 law that, for all practical purposes, outlaws abortion in the state makes it a criminal for doc criminal for doctors to provide abortions they're going to challenge it i i, I carry that press conference a little bit longer because i wanted to, to hear the attorney general's thinking on this and he, he has two arguments one is that the law is too old i'm not sure how persuasive that is the other more interesting argument to me is he says well since since roe versus wade the legislature has passed various laws relating to uh, abortion and under the circumstances under which it can per- be performed. So his argument is that, that those laws are inconsistent with the 1849 law that, that bans it. And so the question becomes which law controls. That, that's an interesting legal question. I, I, don't, I don't have the answer for that off the top of my head. As I have said repeatedly since the decision w- was leaked, t- to me in Wisconsin and across the country, this needs to be a legislative solution. And, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time yesterday arguing what I think is a reasonable sort of compromise on this issue. I, I'm not sure that you can find that because you've got people like Tony Evers who say, I, I'm just I'm not going to have any restrictions at all. And then you've got people on the other side who say, well, we, we don't want any circumstances at all when abortion is going to be allowed. And candidly, I, I think the majority of people are are sort of in the middle on that believing that up to a certain point there there is there, there should be an opportunity to have an elective abortion but beyond a certain point you you lose that right because at that point in time there's no question that we're dealing with 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 a baby <laughs> we we are and the balancing act is at what point does the mother's right to terminate the pregnancy outweigh the baby's right to be born that that's what the difficult balancing is and for the people on the extreme who say well the the baby has absolutely no right i i just i don't buy that for the people who say at no point after fertilization can this happen I, I don't buy that as well a couple people were texting because there's a lot of talk about like the rape and incest and the question was what, what are the numbers on abortion and let me, let me let me give you at least some of the most recent numbers that are going to help crystallize then the, the question that I'm going to put to you um, last year 2020 which is the the last year that I was able to find numbers and there this is, there's a variety, there's a variation. Um, the number of abortions was up dramatically over 2019. The numbers I find say that there were about 930 
thousand abortions that were performed in the United States in 2020, 930,000. Of those 930,000 abortions that were performed, they estimate that about 1% were performed because of rape and 0.5% were performed because of, of incest. So, Again, we're dealing with approximates, but the the answer is like about 1.5%. So if you use that 930,000 number, you know, 1.5% is about 13,000, 13,500. So it's a very small percentage of of the overall situation. Um, So for people who want to use the rape and incest argument, either way, for it, it's not a large number that, that's performed. And so I think in some respects, the whole the rape and incest thing on both sides is somewhat of a red herring. If you're using rape and incest to justify no limits on abortion, well, it's it's a very small number. On the other hand, if you're trying to say, well, there shouldn't be any abortions at all, including rape and incest, it's a very, very small number as well. I guess, let me give you, New York Times actually had an interesting thing about who gets abortions in America. And the the numbers I I found to be interesting enough. What they say is six in ten women who have abortions are already mothers, and half of them have two or more children. Here's one of the other things that is interesting. 43% of all abortions occur in the first six weeks of pregnancy. 43%. And 92% occur in the first 13 weeks. So a number of these states that, that have limits on elective abortions, Mississippi is 14 weeks, Florida is 15 weeks, that, that encompasses the vast overwhelming number of abortions. And like I say, for most people who have abortions, I found that to be stunning, that 43% occur in the first six weeks, and by the first 13 weeks, so you're talking essentially, what, after three months, 92% of all abortions are performed. So you have to keep that in mind when some of the people are out there saying, well, there should be no limits at all. And the states that do have limits, whether it's 13 weeks or 14 weeks or 15 weeks, in all cases, they allow for medical emergencies as well. So for people who are arguing, gee, you need to have the ability to have elective abortions into the six months or into the seventh month, that, that's that's also a very, very small percentage. Um, the vast, let's see, the majority, 29% of women who have abortions are 25 to 29, 28% are 20 to 24 um, let's see, women who have abortions, they say 41% have some college, 46% have never been married and are, are single. Um, let's see, uh, 58% have never had a previous abortion. Um, 49% are low income, that is below the poverty level. So you get, a, you get kind of a perspective on this, um, lives in a blue state. Um, 68%, they say, voted for Joe Biden. 32% voted for Donald Trump. It kind of goes on, but it gives you an idea as to, you know, where different things are. Here's what I want to talk about now. It's very clear, and there's a story um, from Tony Evers. It is very clear that, that Tony Evers feels 
that this abortion question is a winning issue for his party and that that this is now going to be one of the centerpieces for his political campaign moving in, into November. And and he bases on that on the fact that, you know, you've got polls that say about 60 percent of Wisconsin residents support abortion being legal in most or all cases. So that there's this, this belief. Matter of fact, um, I think there, there's some other Democrats across the country who think that this is maybe a, a way of, of turning around what looks to be a, a politically bad year because people are going to be motivated by this. At the same time, I, I've seen all sorts of other data that suggests, and I've said this before, that for a lot of people, even though you might have a feeling about abortion, maybe you're in favor of it, maybe you're you know opposed to it, for the vast majority of people, this is not a, a voting issue. It's maybe you know number seven out of ten when you look at the issues, way beyond things like inflation and crime and stuff like that. There are people on both sides of the issue who feel extremely strongly about this. And that's abortion is their their principal reason why they go out and vote. But my sense is those people kind of even themselves out. So maybe there's 10 or 15 percent of the electorate who are militantly pro-life. And there's 15, 10 to 15 percent of the electorate who are militantly you know, pro, pro-choice. And the vast majority of people are, are somewhere in between where they have an opinion on it. But it's not necessarily going to be the the issue that causes them to pull the lever. So my sense has been that it's going to be pretty much of a wash and trying to make this the the centerpiece issue of the campaign really doesn't necessarily get you anywhere. And and again, I appreciate this lawsuit that they're talking about filing, but sooner or later, this this is going to have to have some sort of legislative um Recognition. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Understanding that pretty much everybody has an opinion on it and understanding that some people are very, very passionate about it, I continue to think that this pretty much evens itself out and, and really isn't going to cause somebody who was otherwise going to vote for, I don't know, you were going to vote for the Republican candidate for governor, but now you're hearing what Tony Evers said and you're going to vote for him because of this issue, or vice versa. 855-616-1620. Is this going to move the needle? 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I continue, and as a matter of fact, I've believed this for a long time, that the people there are people who feel, feel very passionately on both sides of the abortion issue. And for them, uh, abortion either legalizing it or banning it, is the the principal reason for their vote. But I think, I personally believe that's pretty much a wash. And I think there's the vast majority of people who have a feeling one way or the other, but it's not their principal voting reason. Jeff, I have a question on the news conference of the governor and attorney general. Just where do they come up with the numbers that the majority of citizens of Wisconsin want abortion? Well, if you look at the polls, both in Wisconsin and and nationwide, it all depends on on how you ask the, the, the question. And if you ask the question, do you support a right to abortion? Those numbers are about are about correct. What happens, though, is then when you start to ask the follow-up questions, you know, it's it's sort of like 
talked about this before. It's it's kind of like when pollsters ask the right track, wrong track question. Do you think the state, do you think the country's on the right track or wrong track? And you get 60% of the people who say it's on the wrong track. You don't really know what that means. Why do you think it's on the wrong track? Do you think it's on the wrong track because you've got Joe Biden as the president? Do you think it's on the wrong track because Donald Trump is still in the news? You, you, you have to ask follow-up questions to do that. And I've always felt the abortion question is one like that. If you say, okay, do you think that there should be an unlimited right to abortion um, throughout an entire pregnancy? Well, okay, you're going to get a much smaller percentage of people who say, hey, do you think in the case of rape and incest, somebody should have the right to an abortion? That That's, that's why it's tough to know exactly what those poll numbers are mean as as far as you're breaking trying to break this up you know one of our texters says well i think you're probably right that the the passionate people on both sides of the issue are 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 equal and i think it might be a wash as an issue i do think it will energize liberal voters that might have not been motivated because of how bad other liberal issues are doing now that's that's always that's always a factor. Right now, if you look at the polls, and again, you can believe polls or you can disbelieve polls, there is a huge, what we call the enthusiasm gap that, that affects this time, it affects Democrat voters. And and part of it is because of just what's going on in the world and the economy and things like that. And, and you see this pendulum swing. In 2018, in Wisconsin, there was a huge enthusiasm gap in, in this. It went to the benefit of the Democrats. You had people who were absolutely they, they hated Donald Trump, a certain segment of the electorate, and they would run through brick walls to vote against. In this case, they couldn't vote against Donald Trump because he wasn't on the ballot in 2020, but they ran through walls to vote against Scott Walker. And you had huge turnout. There was very, very there was this huge motivation. Similarly, in 2010, which was the year of, of uh, Obamacare and stuff like that, you, you had a huge motivated Republican electorate, much more motivated, much more excited. They ran out, and that, that's where you had a Republican takeover. So th- these enthusiasm gaps are real, and, and they swing back and, and forth. And up until this issue, I think pretty much everybody felt that the enthusiasm gap you know, benefited the Republicans. Now, will this motivate huge numbers of people who otherwise would not have voted to now run out and to vote for Democrats. I'm still not sure I accept that because I think there's a lot of people who are, again, on the other side of the issue, the pro-life side of the issue, who feel very, very motivated as well. But uh, clearly, Governor Evers believes that this is a this is a political winner for him. I want to go back to this article that was in the New York Wall Street Journal this morning that I shared. See, I continue to believe that the majority of people are in the middle on this. I, I made that argument. I, I made that argument yesterday, and it's going to be interesting to me to see how this plays out as a political issue. Like I say, if if the proponents, if the, the, the pro-choice movement thinks that the the days of rage, I've got a story here, some of the people are calling for a day of mass disruption. If they think that, that the movement thinks that a day of mass disruption and, and the rage, if they think that's the way to, uh, again, sway 
suburban voters to sway people who are otherwise undecided, I, I think they're making a huge mistake. And similarly, you know, if, if you have the pro-life movement, if they decide to overplay their hand on it, that will be a huge mistake. Don't know exactly how this is going to play out. I continue to believe it's kind of going to be a wash on both sides, but we'll know pretty soon. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Let's let's talk about a very, very difficult topic. You probably saw the news yesterday that they, outside of San Antonio, and San Antonio is, what, about 100 miles or so from the, the Mexican border. And it's one of the major transit areas for people who are coming into this country illegally. Um, and you probably saw the story. It's just, it's just dreadful. They found a, a semi-trailer truck which had sort of been abandoned, and there were like a 100 people that had been crammed into the back of that semi-trailer truck. The temperature was over 100 degrees. They were stuck in. They were locked in the back of the truck. 50 migrants were, were dead, many more hospitalized. And these are people who came from Mexico, from Guatemala, from Honduras, maybe some other places as well. But the, uh, you know, the, the death toll just it is unprecedented. And part of what is going on here is because the, the border has gotten increasingly out of control and you're seeing more and more of these these smugglers, these you know, coyotes who, you know, will, in an effort to try to bring people into this country, they'll, they'll load them up in the trailer trucks and, and they'll bring them in. The mayor of San Antonio, who's a registered independent, he says, look, th- this is, unfortunately, it's kind of foreseeable. There's been an increasing volumes of migrants over the last six months, 12 months um, that are coming in. And he says, this is related to the, the Biden border policies of kind of moving us towards open borders. Um, and he said this is what the issue is. Now, the governor of Texas goes one step further, and the governor of Texas says, okay, th- these, these deaths are on, are on Biden. This is a direct result of the border policy. And a couple other people, including Ted Cruz, kind of echo this. Let, let me just say I, I don't think that's fair. I, I think that is an overstatement it's not like joe biden you know went down and you know he was the one that arranged for people to to be in one of these trucks and brought into the country illegally that that's so i i think you got to be really careful just like i was talking about in the last segment of the program you got to be really careful about overreaching when it comes to you know how you feel about the abortion question i think you need to be really careful about overreaching when it comes to you know who you're going to blame for this But it does underscore something, and that is that our border has been getting progressively more out of control. And as we have liberalized, small l, liberalized our our border control policies, 
what you have seen is more and more people have decided to take the risk of trying to get themselves into the country. And as more and more people do that in their efforts to come into the country, what you see is you you see more and more of this stuff at least potentially happening. Here, we want to get out of Mexico. We want to get out of Honduras. We want to get out of Guatemala. We want to get out of, you know, um, wherever. And so we're going to take these risks. We're going to pay money to these animals. And then, you know, we're going to end up in situations like this, which are incredibly unfortunate and but yet nevertheless predictable. So while I don't think it is fair to say, okay, the, these these deaths, these 50 deaths are, are all on Joe Biden, it is, I think, fair to say that this is what happens when you do not enforce vigorously entry into this country for, you know, whatever reasons. And there's no question that we have de-emphasized that. And we've made it more difficult to send people back or to keep them out. And I understand there's this policy decision that's made, but this, this is an inevitable outcome from those policies, isn't it? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, whenever we talk about this up here in, in Wisconsin, it's it's always theoretical. And I've explained this before. A few years back when, you know, when this radio station was part of a nationwide network of radio stations, News Talk, I, I can remember uh, filling in for a week or two when one of the morning hosts in Tucson, Arizona, had um, he had some medical issues, and it was really really very interesting to talk about border issues with people who lived actually on the border, because for us here in Wisconsin, it's a theoretical sort of thing. You know, it, it's okay. You know, we we don't. It's not like we have people pouring over, you know, the state line from Illinois <laughs> into Wisconsin and, you know, taking it using, you know, using social services and schools and all the other things. But you talk to people who, in this case, you know, lived in Arizona, and it was a completely different perspective, just like, you know, people who live in Texas would feel the same way, just like people who live in some of the other border states would feel the same way. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I want to I kind of take the, the personal responsibility of Joe Biden off the table because I don't think that's a fair argument. I do think it is fair to say, though, that the policies that have been coming out of Washington over the course of the last year and a half – in sort of pretty much the complete opposite of where Trump was, I think they are leading more and more people to take the risk of trying to come into this country, making things like the discovery of those 50 bodies more likely um, than, than perhaps they would have been a couple years ago. And it's a reason why, on so many different levels, why I think we need, I'm not saying you build a wall, I always thought that that was kind of a dumb idea, but you need to be aggressive in turning people away and putting out, I think, a very, very clear message that, you know, don't come into this country illegally, we're going to send you back, and we're going to send you back right away in order to discourage stuff like What's happening, like and what happened yesterday, from happening again? 855-616-1620. Do we need to toughen the border? And my answer is, yeah. And if you didn't think so before, certainly after the discovery of these 50 bodies, 
doesn't that make you think, yeah, we got to tighten this up? We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There is no question that what happened yesterday, the discovery of 50 bodies, um, people who were being smuggled into this country illegally outside of San Antonio, there, there's no question that that's, I think, partly due to the fact that more and more people are encouraged to try to come into this country illegally because we're moving more towards an open borders policy. Now, we don't have open borders, but we're moving more towards that. Um, Interesting story in the Chicago Tribune. Migrants, largely from Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, and at least we know that of the 50 dead yesterday, there were people from Mexico, Guatemala, and Honduras. But anyways, People from those four countries have been expelled more than two million times under a a pandemic era rule that's been in effect since March of 2020 that denies them the chance to seek asylum. So even if they get expelled, however, they're. All that happens is they are encouraged to come back again because there are no legal consequences for for getting caught. So what you see is people, even if even if customs, even if Homeland Security is able to catch people who are coming into this country illegally, they they expel them and then they come back again. And there's absolutely no consequences for coming back again. And, And what that does is it just encourages people to try to find different routes to get into this country. And you have the borders that are being absolutely overwhelmed. And I do think it is fair to say part of that is on this administration, not the deaths of the people yesterday, but part of it is on this administration, which hasn't been willing to take on, I think, some of the the most ardent, most avid people on the left who, who don't think we should have any, any limitations on borders and thinks that we, we should just let people into the country. Well, I think the vast majority of people in this country recognize that you have to have some limitations. And certainly the people that live along the border, whether you're living in Arizona or you're living in Texas or whatever, who feel the daily brunt of hundreds or thousands of people swarming illegally into this country um that i think that those are the people who you know would would tell you that this is a big deal jeff though joe biden is not directly responsible for the migrant deaths i believe he is responsible for the poor management of the border continuously ignoring the rising issues of the inhumane treatment of migrants brought on by his and his border czars in attention to the issue at the border. You cannot stick your head in the sand and expect these issues to resolve themselves. So I do hold the Biden administration responsible for that. And I think that that I think that that is a fair comment. The the border has always been an issue, but because this was one of the political issues that was used Remember when when Donald Trump was president this was this was the thing oh he wants to build the wall he he's concentrating all of these efforts on trying to keep people out how horrible Trump is well okay that was the issue that Biden ran on so now he he's kind of boxed himself in and i think you know now he becomes president and the buck stops at that desk and he recognizes oh my gosh you know we we we've got a huge problem with our borders being essentially overrun so we end up having to do something but what can we do when we've already kind of campaigned on we're going to be the anti-Trump 855-616 
1620. Mike and Racine. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my sure. call. Uh, I think uh, your previous caller uh, stated it well. The uh, only point I was looking to make was uh, we've had failed policy for uh, decades now. Uh, I, I think uh, comparing the, the, the past and the current administrations is not very uh, helpful and only raises some solutions that are overly simplistic. Uh, just simply trying to uh, toughen uh, the security at the border is only going to, I mean, our country is such a magnet uh, for such a destination for the poor and the destitute, such a shining light to make a better opportunity. They're just going to uh, look to more and more drastic means uh, to get here. We need a policy that's much more comprehensive and well thought out and, you know, takes in Takes in those interests, our business interests, uh, as well as uh, you know the consideration you're raising for those that live along the border and uh, and have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for perspective. I mean, look, I I just at some point in time you have to you have to stop. I guess the, the flow. You you can't just no civilized country in the world uh, allows just open borders and allows people to just like come in and, and stay you you can't you, you can't do that because pretty soon because you're right the u.s is a is a magnet because i i think with all our problems i continue to believe this is still a great country you know you, know, you don't see people you know flocking to other countries you've got the guy the singer from green day who's upset over abortion so he wants to renounce his u.s citizenship and of course my philosophy is fine you know don't don't let the door hit you on the way out if you want to go live in the united kingdom and pay 90 percent taxes you know go go do that so I, I i appreciate that this is a complex issue and i always felt like the conversation about let's build this big beautiful wall and make mexico pay for it and stuff was again overly simplistic but at the same time i I do think from a law enforcement perspective we have an obligation to do everything we can to discourage people from trying to come into this country illegally and to have some consequences for the people who do and get caught other than hey we're just going to turn you around send you back over the border and then you know you can give a hundred dollars to some smuggler and they'll try to bring you back in and you can keep trying and trying and trying until you find Finally succeed, Jeff. You're completely wrong. Um, Vice President Harris has fixed this issue. Um, yeah, I, I I understand that. That's of course tongue in cheek. Look, th- this is a problem, and it's a problem that is getting worse, and it's manifesting itself in things like you saw yesterday. And I'm afraid it's going to get worse and worse uh, unless we can figure out a way to at least discourage these efforts. And say what you want about Trump. And I understand, very, very controversial, and like I said earlier, I thought the build the wall thing was very simplistic, but things were not as out of control at the border during Trump as they are now. And I do think that's there's a definite, because it is not a priority of the Biden administration, more and more people are emboldened to try to come into this country illegally, which leads to more and more things like happened yesterday, which is just an unthinkable act. And again, I don't blame Biden for that, but I do think it's these policies that are encouraging people to take some of these risks. I guess they've caught three people that they think were involved in the smuggling, and hopefully those people will go to prison, and they'll go to prison for a long time. 
Okay, this is my my favorite tweet, my my, my favorite the text of the day. And I was just discussing. I, I think, look, this horrible thing: fifty dead people coming to trying to be smuggled into this country. It, it's just it's absolutely appalling. And the governor of Texas says it's it's Joe Biden's fault. Well, I, I think that's an overstatement. I, it's. Joe Biden has made the mess at the border worse because of their policies. But that's a different thing than saying you're responsible for for the deaths that happen. The people that are responsible are the the coyotes who took money and put all these people in the back of of a truck. Um, So one of our texters says, you're too nice. It is Biden's fault. He will not address the border. And this is on his hands. And my response was. I don't get often told too often that I'm too nice. I don't hear that a, a lot, but uh, so I, I'll, I'll take that as <laughs> I'll take that. I, I understand the point the person is making, but you know, you do this for a living long enough, you, you don't hear too often. You're too nice. Typically, Jane's laughing. Typically, it kind of goes the other way. You, you know that that comment about you know you're, you're too nice. Have, have I ever told you the evil Mister Rogers story? We talked about that before. No. Okay. So 2013 was the first year that, that Talkers Magazine, which is, that it was the first year that they selected me to be one of the 100 most important talk show hosts in America. How, however, they figure that out. Okay, so that, but that, that was it. It's, and it's, That's and a deal. It is, and it's been um, with, something happened in 2014. I wasn't on the list, but I've been on the list since then. But, okay, so it, there was a, a liberal website, the Daily Coast, I think, Coast, C-O-S. Daily Coast. Coast, okay. Daily Coast. So they, they wrote about this. And they described me as one of the most dangerous talk show hosts in, in America because I, I a lot of people who do what we do for a living, like yell and scream and rant, and they said, he's not like this. <laughs> he, 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 he speaks, you know, and, and he, he presents his arguments and stuff, and he's not yelling and he's not ranting, and he appears to be somewhat open-minded. And, and you're listening to this, and you find yourself agreeing with him, and all of a sudden you go, my God, I can't believe I'm agreeing with this man. He's the evil Mr. Rogers. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which I have worn that as a badge of honor ever since Oh, I'm totally making you a T-shirt that says that. <laughs> yeah. you, you need that in your wardrobe. <laughs> exactly. And, and I just, and it, it's like, like some people thought it was like this. This, this slam and stuff. I said, no, that, that's exactly. He, he's nice and he's, he's just rational and he sounds like he's making sense. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself agreeing with him. You go, oh my God, I'm agreeing with this man. And I, how could this possibly be? So I, I wear the evil Mister Rogers as a badge of honor, as you, you know, should, as I should. When we come back, hey, 15 years ago, um, your life changed, my life changed. I will explain. We will discuss. Yep, that's me, Charlie. You're working for the evil Mr. Rogers. And I've always worn that as a badge of honor. I, I just, it, it's just the, the way we started doing the show 25, 24, 25 years ago and the way we've done it ever since. And it's just, um, and I understand some people say, oh, you need to be screaming. I can't believe you're, you listen to some folks and stuff. And it's like, I, I've always believed that for most issues, there isn't most issues. There, there isn't necessarily a right or a wrong. There's a better or a worse. And maybe my idea is better than yours. Maybe your idea is better than mine. But, you know, you can at least talk about the stuff and try to figure out if there's is there any sort of common ground. You know, one of the frustrating things candidly to me about politics is that you, you don't seem to be able to find that 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 common ground. You know, we've been talking over the last couple of days about abortion in Wisconsin. This, this is it's going to have to be a legislative solution. I actually think it should be a, a legislative solution. And I, I just I don't think that we're going to be able to get there because 
you have people on both sides of the issue, whether it's Tony Evers, who's just entrenched with the, there's not going to be any restrictions on reproductive rights. And some Republicans were saying, well, we're not going to have, we're not going to ever go along with, with any way of terminating pregnancies, you know, up to and including rape and incest, which is a very small percentage of these cases. And it's, it's these absolutes on, on both sides where I continue to believe that the majority of the population is, is somewhere in, in between, but we just can't get there. And it is a source of frustration to me. All right. I, I've, I, people ask me, how, how have things changed in preparing to do your, your radio show over the last, you know, 20 some years? And, and I always say there, there's a couple, there's been a couple big changes. And it's, it's funny how we forget these. I mean, I, let me see a show of hands. My guess is maybe, Maybe you came of age before Al Gore invented the Internet. I mean, when I started doing a radio show, I started in 1995, part-time, you didn't have the Internet. So, you know, getting your stories and figuring out where they were going to come from and stuff and researching them, it was a completely a completely different animal than it is now when I can sit down with my laptop at, you know, 930 at night and start, you know, searching all the websites I search for. And then you find a topic that's interesting and you want to say, okay, well, I, I want to find out a little bit more about this. And, and you can, you know, by, by sitting, you know, in my in my chair at home in my den, I, I can do all the research. Well, you didn't have the ability to do that. So I, I think, first of all, when I, when I look at big changes, number one was the, the Internet. Number two, and this is this is kind of related, number two was the, was the advent of car phones. Um, it, it used to be if you were going to do a, a radio show, for example, you it was caller-driven, the only calls that you could get were from people who were at home during during the day. And once car phones became more ubiquitous, you, you got a whole different type of, of audience. People were always listening, but now they could participate. You know, the folks who, the, the salesmen, the sales ladies, the people who were out on, on calls, you know, they were able to, to listen. And, and now, but I think, you know, so those were two factors, but now it's actually the third thing that's really made a huge difference is kind of those two things like merged together. The fact that, you know, people now have have cell phones and your cell phone isn't like the old flip phone where you used it as a typical phone to make calls. I mean, now we are all walking around with like mini pocket computers and that 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 phone that you have in your hands you know the the smartphone probably has more computing capability than you know the the apollo flights that sent people to the moon in the late 60s and we have this all in in our hands so if you want to make phone calls you can make phone calls if you want to search the internet you can search the internet you can do just all sorts of amazing things and we can all do it and we can do it in a fashion that is you know largely affordable for for everybody and it's why cell phones have now become ubiquitous to the point that you know anywhere you go everybody's got their cell phone out everybody's looking in there everybody's doing the stuff it hasn't been that long ago if i were to ask you to guess how long iPhones have been around i mean i think some people might think oh that th- they're always been i mean because for a lot of us it's just been a part of our, our daily life but the truth is you know iPhones first came to the market 15 years ago 
I mean, 15 years ago is when you first started getting the, the iPhones. And the original iPhone, well, I'm looking kind of the store, the, the original iPhones um, didn't have a front camera for selfies, didn't have video recording, it didn't have a, um, a flashlight that were, were there. Um, it's, uh, you couldn't access, like I say, third-party app applications. You, you couldn't do that. It just... You know, had four uh, gigabytes of storage. I mean, all, all those things that were there. Nowadays, the current iPhone starts at 128 gigs and rises all to, to a much, much higher level. The, the original iPhones cost, what, uh, about 500 bucks and were, were really these basic sort of things. But once people got their iPhones 15 years ago, it sort of just changed everything. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I want to just do a, one segment, which is kind of a tribute to the iPhone, for pick, for, particularly for people who remember. Let me take you back to the, those old dark days before we had smartphones, whether you have an Android or whether you have an iPhone. But you know what I'm talking about. When it was just the flip phones or before that, when you wanted to make a phone call, you had to like find one of those pay phone things. And the old days where people had beepers and stuff. I mean, I can remember when I was practicing law, that, that was it. You'd carry around this beeper. And when somebody needed to get in touch with you, what they do is they, they'd hit your beeper number and then you'd see the phone number that you were supposed to find a pay phone and call back. It, it was all that stuff that, that pretty much ended, but it only ended about 15 years ago. Our number is 855-616-1620. How has the iPhone changed your life? And can you believe it's really only been 15 years? We discuss in just a minute. 855-616-1620. Because nowadays, I, I don't think people could do... If, if iPhones would disappear, we would collectively as a society be lost, wouldn't we? 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And by the way, I, I kind of buried the lead a little bit on that. This is the, the 15th anniversary of the iPhone. But more specifically, tomorrow, June 29th, um, that's, that is the day that 15 years ago, June 29th of 2007, that was the day the first iPhone went on sale. Now, now can I see a show of hands? For all those of you who who remember, <laughs> and anybody in the first in line to, to get that that iPhone when Apple first rolled them out, well, they'd certainly be collectors' items now, although they, they wouldn't really function. But yeah, the iPhone has turned fifteen, and I guess I just think back on this and think how how things have changed. Now everybody's got an iPhone, and I understand. I'm hearing some people who say, "Well, we're Android people." I, I get that, but the smartphone concept—I mean, now you wouldn't think. Now, if you go out of the house and, and you don't have your smartphone with you, you feel like you're naked. You know, it's what? Oh my gosh, I can't believe I, I left the the phone there. And so now you've got like my wife has not only her smartphone, but she's got the Apple Watch. So you know, well, okay, I, if I want to take a walk, I don't need to carry my phone with me because I've got the watch. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jim and Cedar. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Good. What do you think? So, yeah. So I think, Jeff, you know, just um, in the world of education, first of all, I want to say, um, I think the iPhones have made wearing a watch obsolete. Everybody knows what time it is. (laughs) Likewise, in schools, it's nice. No kids complain about when the bells ring. They know exactly when they're supposed to ring. 
Um, it's made for a lot of, lot of used to be chaotic moments, yeah. uh, orderly anyway. Also, you know, from a school perspective, I think we're raising one of the smartest generations ever right now because they've got the world's best encyclopedia right at their hands, you know, mm-hmm. at ready access, instant information, unlike we ever had. So, you well, know, it makes education a whole lot easier. You know, it, it's also, to that point, Jim, it's also stopped a lot of bar arguments because I, I can't think of how many times I'd, I'd be sitting there and you're you're talking to, you know, one of your friends and I say, oh, the answer is blue, and they say it's red, and you're going back and forth, red and blue. Well, now you just pull out your iPhone and you ask that question and you find out who's right and who's wrong. It, it's just, you know, thanks, Nick. Oh, no, it, it, it has been amazing. Jeff, the iPhone has made me a lot smarter. I can look up anything I need to know or have forgotten um, I'm not quite as afraid of dementia anymore with the the happy uh, face. Yeah, it, it is. It, it is that Jeff. If I ever decided to get into the what would be the best way to destroy society business, I try to figure out how to mess up cell phones. Um, by the way, I have no plans of doing so. Well, that that's true. I mean, you just just think about how. How freaked out we get when when the internet goes down at your house. I mean, it's like okay, up until again, Al Gore invented the internet in the late nineteen nineties or two thousand or whatever. We, we it was like well, okay, you know, we we we've survived somehow w- without this, but now you you cannot do that, Jeff. It's a computer, plain and simple. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's it's really it's a handheld computer, you know, and that's one of the interesting ways how it's evolved. If you ever watch the movie Wall Street. Um, with uh, Michael Douglas and um, Charlie Sheen. You know, there, there's a scene where Michael Douglas, who's the, the Gordon Gecko, the really rich character, he's standing on the beach, and he's got one of those old, those brick phones, you know, and he's, he's coming to a cordless. You know, he's talking on, on the beach. And that was the, that's what the, that was what the multimillionaires had back then. You had that, that big phone, so you could actually make a phone call and not be tethered to, you know, the, the desk or not have it plugged into the wall. I mean, I remember... Um, for for the car, the, the thing was like a, a bag phone. It was a you you'd have something you'd plug it into the cigarette lighter in your car, and that would power it. And then you could make you know phone calls for that. Jeff, today a two thousand seven four hundred ninety nine dollar investment at one hundred thirty three a share in Apple stock, which was the purchase price of our additional phone, would be worth sixteen thousand four hundred thirty bucks. Wish I had a crystal ball. Yeah, you've got that factor as well. Jeff, I had a bag phone, like you're referring to at one time, made it look like I was big stuff. Now I kind of chuckle about that whole thing. Um, Jeff, I can remember our first cell phone was in a bag, just basic function of a phone, but the iPhone for us has allowed my parents to see their great-granddaughter who lives down in Milwaukee using um, some of the FaceTime apps that are there. It, it is it's just a, it's just amazing, and it's it's happened in the last fifteen years, which is the the blink of of an eye, and that's one of the other amazing things. And now, you know, it used to be when I was when I was a kid. I hate to sound old, but when I was a kid, you you know you you were watching television, and you had you had the three major networks, and maybe you had a couple of UHF channels, and, and that was it. And then we we started getting the video recorders and the machines, and you could play that. And now. Now, because of the internet, it's you, you've got the TV channels and you've got streaming, and you can pretty much watch anything you want at any time. It's really.
really been an amazing evolution over the last 20 years, which makes me wonder what are the next 20 years going to bring. And that that's, that is very exciting. So happy birthday to the iPhone, which turns 15. First iPhone went on sale 15 years ago tomorrow.